Hi, welcome to Coffee Break for Your Soul. Encouragement for your journey, your story, for you. A podcast where we'll explore what it means to spark joy, to rest and refresh, and live as God's beloved. Where I share what I'm learning on my journey as it unfolds with you. I'm your host, Bonnie Gray, author of Whispers of Rest and Finding Spiritual White Space. Don't forget, I love to answer your questions, so post your questions for me on Facebook or Instagram at the Bonnie Gray. If you're not on Facebook, go to my website, which is thebonniegray.com. Together we'll discover what being the beloved might look like in your life and mine. Now, breathe, pull up a chair, I'll pour the coffee. Let's begin. The poet Maya Angelou once said, a bird doesn't sing because it has an answer. It sings because it has a song. And I'm wondering, what is a song that God has placed in your heart to sing? Well, to keep it quiet or hidden or put away to the side keeps us from joy. And today it's going to be a great podcast. We're going to talk about what it means to choose joy. Because it's Advent, week three, and we're stepping into a fresh new week, taking time out to think about what would it mean to choose joy? And why is it difficult for us? Because it is, isn't it? Joy is really vulnerable. And in the stress of everyday life, especially in Christmas, when there's so much intensity around, it's such a joyful season, and yet in our hearts, we may still be waiting. We may still be waiting for that joy and we're anticipating it, but maybe it hasn't sparked yet. So we're gonna have a wonderful conversation together and I cannot wait to have us jump into this topic. Now there's um, a beautiful quote that I love from a theologian named Soren Kierkegaard. He's a philosopher and he said, with God's help, I shall become myself. And I love this quote because it speaks to me right now on the journey to being the beloved. I'm asking God and we're asking together since our first podcast a few weeks ago, what makes you come alive? What makes us come alive? And joy is an integral part, you know, because Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That's from John 15, 11. And so joy is so important to Jesus. He says that the joy he feels in his heart, he wants us to experience that joy. And he wants us to experience it fully, not just a little bit, but fully. So in your quiet moments, maybe you may wonder if joy is worth choosing, whether you are worth prioritizing. Jesus hears our unspoken longing for joy. Jesus replies, you are worth it. Joy is meant for you. Well, let's jump right in because this week is really special for me um, because last week it was my birthday and birthdays 
are supposed to be a time of celebration and joy and that's actually where we're at this month aren't we we're celebrating Jesus's birthday and it's there's so much intensity around experiencing joy <laughs> so you may be asking yourself um, God how is it that I can choose joy because this should be a joyful season um, and for me maybe for you joy doesn't come that easy and I remember when I was little, there was a lot of um, pressure in our family culture around giving the right gifts, whether it was for Christmas or birthdays. And it was kind of a stressful time because you're hoping that you choose the right gifts and that the person who opens the gift will be really happy in the timing of it. You don't want to forget it. Um, but it's interesting, my son, Caleb, he was eight years old. He is eight years old and he came to me the night before my birthday. I was helping him brush his teeth and as um, we were doing the teeth brushing, he looked really sad and then his shoulders slumped and Caleb said, Mom, I'm really sorry. I actually forgot it was your birthday and Josh, my older son, who is 12, um, he said, Josh already made a birthday gift for you, but I forgot. I'm sorry, Mom. And he slumped down and he looked really sad. And I had said, well, gosh, it's not my birthday yet. It's, you still have time. Tomorrow's my birthday. And, you know, you can make, um, make something after school. You can make a card. I've always told my kids that, you know, I don't want them to stress over presents or birthdays. I want them to know the most important thing is spending time together. And if they would like, I would love to have a card because words are my love language. But the most important thing is it can be something you make or it could be anything at all as long as you feel happy making it or thinking about the gift. Um, so when I told him that, he said, but mom, then it won't be a surprise. He still felt defeated. And I told him, but Caleb, I don't even know what you're going to write. And I don't even know what it, you're going to draw. I'm so excited. I wonder what it would be. And suddenly he lit up. He smiled because he said, oh, I know what I'm going to do. And I, I tried to play pretend. I was like, oh, what does it tell me? Tell me, tell me. He's like, I'm not going to tell you. And so I share that story with you because, you know, sometimes we, we, we maybe feel like it's too late for us, for joy, for whatever reason. And so we're going to explore different reasons, maybe why we feel joy is too hard or difficult. And we're going to spark some new ideas as to how we can choose joy together. So we're going to explore that and we're going to do it by, um, I'm going to share some stories with you last week because on my birthday, I had a very uh, interesting day and God sparked a lot of encouragement and ideas for me as I step out to try to choose joy in my new year and also in this current season of my life. And, and I'm, I'm hoping to pass it on to you and that you would get encouraged as well in your own journey. And then together we can be like Caleb, we can suddenly be sparked and realize, wait, it's, it's not too late. It's actually possible. Joy is possible for me because God loves us and God is whispering continuously for us to experience his peace and his presence. Okay, so one of the things that happened on my birthday is that I wanted to go to the museum. And I 
I don't know what it is, but I have never considered myself to be an artist. Um, when I did go to college, I chose computer engineering. So I'm really good at fixing problems. I'm really good at setting up plans. And when I worked in high tech and technology, I was always doing things that were helping products to get released out in the high tech industry. So I never considered myself artistic, but a few years back when I was healing from panic attacks and from anxiety and stress, I, for some reason, felt, well, since I don't know how long this healing journey is going to be, I might as well look at beautiful things. So I started spending time at the museums more, and I never visited museums very much previously, but I felt really at home in the museum. There's something about the quietness of the museum, how people are just so gentle in their steps. And in some way, somehow, when I look at beautiful art, I feel at home, I feel at rest. And one time when I was looking at a painting and, and I was, had this feeling inside that I was happy and I didn't understand why. And I kind of whispered to God, God, I feel so happy and I, I don't know why. And I felt, and I imagined in my own mind that Jesus was standing next to me, putting his hand in my hand. And both of us were just there looking at the painting together. And he said, well, that's because you're here with me. You're home. This is home to you. And so I just felt there is something about art. And I don't know what it is, but I think maybe it's because I'm not doing anything that needs to meet any expectations. I'm just simply enjoying a moment looking at beautiful things. And so I, I realized that I was that little girl again, the little girl that never got a chance to explore what it is that would give her joy. And just giving myself the space to explore, I think that gives us joy. So my question for you, my question for you today as we think about joy and why it's difficult for us, what is it that gives you joy? What is it that you have wanted to explore but you never had a chance to explore? Is there something that you've always wanted to do but you were afraid? Just before I hopped onto this podcast, I actually clicked register now <laughs> on a site to sign up for art classes. I was sharing um, in the podcast on peace that I'm on the journey to just try taking some art classes because I, I want to try to paint. I never got a chance to. And since then, it's been difficult because as I looked around for classes, a lot of them are at night. And so I am at home cooking dinner with the kids. And so that would be very difficult to do it. And so I talked to my husband and we had worked it out so that, you know, there was this one night where I'd, I'd have to cook dinner earlier so that I can go take the class and then everybody would have dinner ready. But I was still like, oh, I wasn't sure about it. So I started asking around for my friends what kind of art classes that they've taken. And it had to take a few tries. I had to go down the list and really kind of think about who I can ask because when I did ask, I did find some painters, but then they're not teaching anymore. And so I had to keep asking because I really wanted a class that was during the daytime when my kids were in school. 
Well, I just found someone that took a class way few years ago and I found a place that had this one class during the day in mid-morning. And so I just clicked register. <laughs> and as I clicked register, I was really nervous. My teeth were chattering and I had all these flow of critical voices. And so we're gonna go through each of these and see if, if some of these might be also your critical voices. Um, is there something you've always wanted to do, but you were afraid? Maybe you didn't have time. You forgot about it. You brushed it away. You said to yourself, wait later. I'm not ready. It's too late. What's the point? I don't want to waste money. I don't want to waste time. And yet that seed of an idea is still there year after year. Or maybe it's a fresh idea you've had recently. Well, as I was looking through and clicking through register and I was on the page where I had to put my credit card in, all these questions, all these critical voices, they all popped up. So I'm gonna go through these and um, also share with you what happened on my birthday that inspired me to take this step. So I did sign up for it. I'm going to be taking a beginning watercolor class and it's gonna happen. I'm really nervous, but um, I am hoping that you'll get inspired to start something also that will bring you joy. And I wanna encourage you to choose joy no matter how small it is, but it's something you've always had on your heart. So we can do it together stepping into the new year. So each week I will share what I'm learning, okay? So, okay, back to these excuses that I had for myself that maybe you can relate to also and what God said to encourage me. Okay, so one of the things that I did on my birthday is I love pastries. I just love pastries. That's like first on the list of things I want to do on my birthday. So we drove to San Francisco. My husband took a day off. He's so sweet. He took a day off. And, you know, that's something I had asked for. <laughs> you know, that was a big learning point for me too. Early in my marriage, I would just kind of hope that he would get what it is that I would like. And then I realized, you know what? That's not fair. I should tell him. And there's some kind of code I picked up, I guess, where if, if you asked for something, it would seem like it didn't count. Or maybe if you asked for something, it'd be too embarrassing because maybe I would be worried the person didn't want to give it to me. So, but I had to learn in my own way, wait a minute, actually, it, it works out for both of us. If I can help him out, <laughs> let him know what I would like, and then I'm happy too. So again, this is kind of rewriting new scripts based on you know the old ones back in my own childhood where somehow we had to figure out what people wanted. Um, so anyways, I had told Eric at one time, I said, okay, well, what I would love is if we could spend some time together on my birthday because that's my love language is I love spending time doing things together while the kids are in school. And you know what? It was such a relief for Eric. He was just so happy. He's like, oh, I'm so glad you told me. <laughs> and so we do that now. So on my birthday, he took a day off and we drove to the city in San Francisco and we went to this bakery that I love. It's called Tartine. If you ever visit San Francisco, you must go there, Tartine. They have ingredients that are used in Paris that they fly over here and then they use. And so when we were there at the bakery, I was so happy. 
And I knew that the second place I wanted to go to was this museum, and they were showing、uh, Gustav Klimt artwork. I hope I said that right. I don't know anything about art. I've never taken an art class. We, we we're going to go there afterwards. So as we're sitting there, I noticed that there was this elderly man who was standing in the middle of the cafe. We had our pastries and our coffee, and he was looking for a place to sit. So I went over there and I said, "Oh, I said, why don't you come join us here? There's a space for you." So my husband scooted over, and、um, he was able to come and sit down. So when he sat down, I noticed that he had、um, a paper, and it was the Wall Street Journal, and was folded to the crossword puzzles section. And he, as soon as he started sitting down, he was filling out the letters in the boxes, and I was so curious about that. I said, "Oh wow, you sure like crossword puzzles? They're hard for me." So I just made that comment, and he looked at me and smiled, and he said, "Oh." Oh yes, I do. So I said, "Oh, can I ask you? I'm guessing that you love words, do you?" And he said, "Yes, I do love words." And he smiled and sighed like he was dreaming of heaven. And so I just wanted to keep going the conversation. I said, "Well, I love words too. I'm very curious. Where did you get your love for words? How did it begin?" And I have found that this phrase, "I am curious," that is such a conversation starter and opener for people whenever I meet them. And and so this is the first thing I want to ask you: is to give yourself permission to be curious, because joy is not something that I would say comes naturally. If it came so naturally to us, I don't think it would be such a big deal that Jesus came. All the way from heaven to become a little baby, as we're learning through Christmas and through a lot of turmoil, as we discussed on last week's podcast, a lot of turmoil being born in a very politically, like, violent time and unrest, and yet he went through all that trouble and turmoil to come because he said, "I come to give you joy and joy in full." Joy with me. So it joy is actually not that easy. I know when we look at commercials, we look at products, we look at our social media feeds. It looks like joy should be so simple, but it's actually quite holy, and it's actually quite like hard to believe because the world says we should earn it. We should. Um, make sure that everything else is taken care of somehow before we can feel free to receive it, or to take steps to enjoy it. And yet Jesus says, "Hey, I've come to give it to you in the full." So anyhow, so give yourself permission to be curious about what would give you joy.、Um, many of you have been posting questions and comments to say that in the lighthouse questions we started in our first podcast that it's very hard. Even if you were to brainstorm some ideas, it's hard to actually do it. And so, giving yourself permission to be curious is very important because curiosity opens your heart up, and it loosens your grip on having to figure out what it will lead to and what it would be for, for what purpose. Okay, so I was asking back to this, yeah, this, this, this wonderful man who was sitting here. Um, at the table at the bakery, so I said, "I'm curious, where did you get your love for words, and how did it begin?" And so he said, "What I 
he said, well, I don't know. He says, I like learning about root words in Greek. I like the way they sound. And he broke into a big smile that sparkled like the sun coming into the bakery as we sat there at the table together. As we talked some more, I actually learned that Frank Maynard, that's his name, had picked up this love for words in high school. He had an English teacher that loved words, and he said he'll never forget it that one year in high school, he read three plays by Shakespeare, and he said, I don't know, ever since then, I've always loved words. I asked him what he did later on in life, and he said that he served in the Navy as a supply, overlooking supplies, managing supplies for the Navy shipyard. And I thought it was so fascinating that his love for words continued, even though the work he did had nothing to do with words. And yet when he talked about words, he just had this beautiful smile about him. You know, so I told him, I said, oh, well, thank you for your service. I'm so honored to meet you. And um, from this conversation, I learned that what you love can give other people joy. What gives you joy can give other people joy. So this high school teacher that Frank Maynard had met for just that one year, because of his love for words, it passed on a love that, that fueled his whole lifetime of love for words and gives him joy. So if there's something that can give you joy, don't sweep it away and think, you know what? It wouldn't be worth very much. I'd be the only person that enjoys it. It's not true because your love for that, it can spark over and spill over to others, whether it's your family, your children, your friends, or just even for yourself. Because once it's like this beautiful fire, this ember growing inside you lit, it'll shine. And that light is going to, that light of joy, that glow is going to flow over to others. So the most important thing I would say, the first thing about joy is that you need to know that it's valuable. It's of worth. Because God created something in you that longs, that enjoys that thing, okay? And that's the light. Now I'm going to switch gears here and talk about this book I've also been reading called Designing Your Life, How to Build a Well-Lived Joyful Life by Bill Burnett and Dave Evans. I want to turn to it because there's something in here that talks about flow. And it's related to this conversation I had with Frank. It says here in this book that flow is very important to experiencing joy. Okay, people in flow report the experience of having a sense of, here it is, okay, flow is having great inner clarity, being totally calm and at peace, feeling as if time were standing still or disappearing in an instant. And it flow is experiencing complete involvement in the activity and feeling euphoria or even ecstasy. Flow is one of those things that gets engaged whenever you're doing something that you enjoy. You don't even have to be good at it. You don't have to be thinking about it. If you just do it, it's called finding your flow. So that's the second thing. What would it mean to find your flow? So Frank really inspired me because he helped remind me of what God says. God says that we're constantly putting on Christ, right? We're putting on Christ 
and we're putting off the old. So the old way is where I've always done things for a specific purpose, either, you know, that I can see would result in some result, I guess, or goal for some purpose of what I would call ministry or for benefiting others or, but now God is saying, no, actually you are the temple of my Holy Spirit. And so whatever keeps that flame going with joy, it's going to flood and spill over. Okay. The second person that I met was a woman that was sitting next to us. And she was noticing that Eric and I were taking selfies and for my birthday. And she was sitting next to us and she said, oh, well, can I help you guys take a picture? And I said, thank you. And so she took some snaps. And so I did the same thing. I, I, I told her, I said, I'm very curious. Can I ask you what makes you come alive? So that's the next question I would ask you. What makes you come alive? So it was surprising because this new friend that I'm just meeting here at the bakery, she said to me, little things. I was like, oh, that's so fascinating. That's so interesting, I said. What, what do you mean by that? So she was telling me, and I found out her name is Megan Alderetti. Megan Alderetti, and maybe she's listening now. I'm going to, you know, send her a little tag on Instagram. I got her Instagram, and she'll listen. So she's this beautiful blue-eyed girl um, that was sitting next to me, and it turns out she's a pro cyclist, and she once played for Stanford soccer team. Now, when I heard she played for Stanford soccer team, I, I suddenly was all excited because my two boys play soccer, and I've always wanted to play soccer when I was a little girl. I never got a chance. I, um, I grew up in a single-parent family, and I had a little sister, so I always had to come home to, to be the big sister, and we came home together and kind of taking care of her. So I never got a chance to play after-school sports, but I love soccer, so I said, oh my gosh, that's so exciting. You must be so happy to have played for that team. And her answer was so interesting. She said to me, Megan said to me, well, you know, I've, I've done that, but I feel like there's something different now I want to do. And she said this, okay, I'm going to, I want to read it carefully. Okay. I wrote it down. She said, there are a thousand things you can do because you're good at it, but those aren't the things that make me come alive. It's saying no to those things and choosing the little things that mean the most. Wow. Wow. I felt like God was really speaking to me through her heart and her story. Because there are a thousand things that we are good at, right? We kind of grew up very trained to be self-reliant, to really excel at what we do. And we don't want to do things half-hearted, right? Those are kind of the, the, the messages that we have growing up, right? And so we don't want to do things that we're not good at. <laughs> but unfortunately, some of the things that we want to do that would give us joy, they're not necessarily the things that we're good at. They're not the things that, that you know, maybe somebody would say, oh my goodness, look at that. But yet, Actually, that's where God calls us. Remember, for those of you who've read Whispers of Rust in the first chapter the, on day one of becoming the beloved, I had us look at how Jesus called the disciples to leave their fishing nets. 
And if you think about it, they were great experts at fishing. And when Jesus called them to follow him, they were mending their nets. And yet Jesus said to leave their nets and to follow him right away. And they dropped their nets. And I thought it was fascinating that God was calling them to leave a life of doing something they were all experts at doing and to go follow him to do something they had no idea what it would even turn out to be. And so I think that that is kind of the calling of faith is that joy is about leaving our nets of busyness. Joy is about leaving things that maybe other people might view as competence or you know, purposeful, but they're not purposeful for you in this season of life or for me, because it's not what God's calling us to follow him by faith. So joy is about choosing the little things that mean the most, that make you feel you're coming alive. Now, at this point, I do want to share, um, like one critical voice I've heard through the questions that people ask me, um, where they feel guilty for maybe choosing things that bring them joy, they often say, and I want to kind of address this, is that, well, it seems like it's selfish to just do something just because it gives me joy. Like, what about the people that are starving? Or what about ministry and service? And, well, I don't want to use this money. It seems like it's just going to waste because it's just for me. And, I, it would be taking time away from my family or, you know, fill in the blank. And so I think there's this kind of myth that if we choose what's joyful to us, that it would be selfish and that it wouldn't be Christ-like. Okay, so I want to talk about Colossians 3.3. 3. It says that our life is hidden in Christ and for us to set our mind on things above So a lot of times we think to be hidden in Christ means to disappear. (laughs) To be hidden in Christ, maybe for some of us would feel, it means to disappear and not have anything of ourselves. So I want to just really get to the heart of this concept, okay, and address these critical voices. Because if you read what it means to be hidden in Christ, you got to look at the context of what the Apostle Paul is talking about. When the Apostle Paul says we're hidden in Christ, he's actually, if you read chapter 3, Paul is talking about putting off our old self with its old practices and to put on the new self that's renewed in the knowledge of the image of the creator. So I know there's a lot of words right there, but what I want you to remember is that we're to put off the old and put on the new. And the new is to reflect the new creation of being like Jesus. So what I'm trying to say is that God is creating a new image that's different from the image maybe that's been in the past that maybe we've been labeled with. Because that's what the world does. The world likes to label us, right? As to who we are, what we're good at, what we can do, what is valuable, what is purposeful. So, but God says, no, I have a new image for you. This image is who I created you to be. This image maybe is not as flashy or loud or, you know, is gaining any recognition or significance in other people's eyes. But to Jesus, it's beautiful and beloved. 
So to me, that's how I read Hidden in Christ. When we are able to explore who we are when we are just with Jesus and we're just listening to his voice, then we're putting on our new selves. So choosing joy, choosing and exploring and being curious about what are the little things that you enjoy and moving towards those, I think that that is what it means to be hidden in Christ and not just being busy and trying to meet other people's expectations, like putting off our old ways. All right, so let's see here. Okay, I wanted to share, continue sharing about my birthday. So that was great meeting Megan, and that was so timely as I went to the museum. Okay, so then let's see. I'm going to look at my notes here. Oh, okay. So once I was at the museum for my birthday, it was interesting. I was looking at the pictures. They were showing the timeline of um, Gustav Klimt's uh, paintings and how early in his career he had painted paintings that were um, styled in the traditional European art um, ways. And so you can see that it looks like a lot of the paintings in that period. I mean, they're beautiful paintings. I mean, it's still beautiful and it takes a lot of skill and talent, but there was a point where he decided to break away from the way everybody painted, and he started with Rodin, the sculptor, a new form, a new group of artists. And what they decided to do is to not paint like everybody else, and just to paint through their heart, paint their to express how they felt the world to be and how they saw it. And suddenly, all his paintings came alive with color and they were so unique. And he started painting all these things that nobody's ever seen before. And I just really felt God was speaking to me through Ephesians 2.10. And I'd wrote about this in my first book, Finding Spiritual White Space, that in Ephesians 2.10, it says, for you are God's workmanship. And that word means work of art. For you are God's work of art, created new in Christ Jesus. So there you go. You see, there's that word created again, created anew in Christ Jesus. And so it just reminded me, God's reminding me, no, you don't try to do everything the same way. Don't try to follow what everybody else is doing. Don't try to just do what you've always done in the past. Like it's time for something new. So something that's created means that it's never existed before, right? So as you look into your new year, as you look into your new week, Um, your new season in life, it's going to take a lot for us, all of us to step out and say, you know what? I am created new in Christ. I am God's work of art and I want to be a part of whatever God wants to, you know, go with me on an experience, but we can step into it. We can step into it. And so one thing, you can think one thing and don't get overwhelmed with trying to do too much just one step, take one step towards something new that God has always already, already put in your heart. And you, you already know what it is. As I'm saying this, I bet you already know what it is. (laughs) So I would like to invite you to share that. If you're in the Whispers of Rest book club community on Facebook group, I'm going to be posting, um, an invitation for you to share. And I just want us to just share what it is and to encourage each other. All right, one of the last thing I want to do before we close out is to share a personal story from my life. 
and also to share some soul care practices so that you can spark joy. Okay. So, um, one thing I was sharing in my Facebook live last week is I was showing everybody this pink notebook that I have been using to kind of write down all these different ideas to brainstorm things that would spark joy in my life and that would help me come alive. And I had asked everybody, invited everybody to answer those questions also on our first podcast on the Lighthouse Questions on what would make life meaningful for you. And as I was sharing what I wrote down, I was using this pink notebook. I said, you know what? This color pink is actually quite daring for me to show it. And it it had been a wounding color for me because during a really happy time in my life, um, when I met, first started dating Eric and I was single in my 30s, so it took me a while to find somebody. And I actually wasn't even sure if I was going to be married. Maybe I had the gift of singleness not because I wanted to be single, but because I just hadn't found anybody to fall in love with by the time I was in my 30s. But anyhow, so when I did finally meet Eric, I was so happy that I started wearing pink a lot. And so remember I was telling you I used to be in high tech and I was working in engineering. Well, like working in high tech, I always wore a lot of kind of dark colors, like black and gray. And um, even I was growing up, I didn't, always have a lot of new clothes. I always chose clothes that were more darker because I thought they were functionally better. You can wear them with different occasions. And if it gets a little dirty, it's kind of like a good color to hide things with, you know? But once I started dating Eric, I was like, I started wearing pink a lot. I like pink. And it really hurt me because um, there was a girlfriend at the time and she said to me, why are you always wearing pink? you're not in high school anymore. Why are you always wearing pink? And it kind of annoyed her that I was wearing pink a lot. And so like that really made my heart really like embarrassed. (laughs) And it made me feel like really self-conscious, like kind of felt dumb. Like, yeah, why am I wearing pink? I'm not in high school anymore. But, um, you know, kind of embracing, uh, I guess how God sees me. He, he sees me as his, his child his beloved. And so on this journey, I'm embracing the color pink. And um, when I was researching soul care practices, um, these are things that bring your soul calm and spark joy. I was researching about colors. And it turns out, I'm going to turn to the book right now, that color, wearing color improves your mood. So for one of the days, every day in Whispers of Rest, there's a challenge that you can do to spark joy and restore calm to your body and to your emotions. And so for this day, um, the challenge was wear your favorite color. So here, let me read it. It says, channel the power of colors in your outfit today and elevate your mood. You're God's gift to the world, architected to daily be loved. So here's the research. So it turns out Um, The scientists have proven colors changes your mood and affects your brain function. Seriously, it affects your brain. The University of British Columbia study found rooms painted in blue boosts creative tasks more than red. And rooms also affect how much people eat. With yellow sunshine, that color increases your appetite. Okay, so maybe... (laughs) 
<laughs> you might find uh, yourself wanting to paint the uh, kitchen yellow, huh? It also says that interior designers use colors to create different moods to a room to inspire, energize, or bring you calm. And that a lot of the uh, colors found in nature, like blue and beige and um, yellow, um, they all can energize you or bring you tranquility. And so I have a list of colors and what they, the, how they affect your mood. I have that listed here. And I'm going to post this also in our uh, Whispers of Rest Facebook book club. Um, and it's really interesting because it actually affects your mood, um, what color things are. So um, think about color and how that God can can be a part of sparking joy in your life through color. The other thing, as I've shown through today's show, is that having conversations is really, really a beautiful way to have soul care. Research shows that when we just talk about how we feel and have conversations about things that really matter, it shows that um, science research in science has shown that your body pressure, blood pressure will lower, your heart will go get to a more steady beat. In a study at UCLA, they did imaging pictures of the brain, and they had shown them stressful pictures, uh, emo pictures of people that were feeling stressful emotions. And just by looking at the stressful emotions, they found that people's bodies were responding with stress. So their breathing would shorten, their heart would be faster, and their blood pressure would increase and spike. But then asked, they asked the people to watch it again, but this time they asked them to name the emotion that they were seeing. And just by naming the emotions and just by labeling them, by saying sad or happy or angry, guess what? The their body responded by calming. The heartbeats again were slower, the blood pressure turned back to normal. And I thought it was amazing because it shows that just by naming any emotion, negative emotion, it took away the stress from it. So that's this other way to spark joy is sometimes you may be carrying a lot of negative I guess experiences or maybe during Christmas, there's very stressful, uh, whether it's a friend situation, a family situation, or finances, or, you know, it's a myriad. They're all intensified during Christmas. Take time to meet with a friend to have coffee or to have dinner or just call that friend up and to talk, just to talk about what's going on. And um, just by talking about it, you will feel better. Yes, that happens. So science proves that. Okay, um, let me see. The last thing I wanted to share um, is about art. So, you know, in art, um, I wanted to share that this is a very uh, wonderful practice. Anything that makes you feel you're engaging in something artistic, uh, creating art or reading poetry or just viewing artwork in a gallery, um, Research shows that creating art relieves stress. It puts you in a meditative state called flow. Remember I was telling you about flow? And it will restore mental clarity and calm. Um, art also increases resilience and prevents memory loss. 
Uh, I don't know about you, but you know, when you're in a stressful state, don't you find like you, those are the times you can't find your keys <laughs> or you're looking for something, you have no idea where it is. Well, stress does that. It causes you to like, affects your memory, but art can help restore that calmness and uh, enhance your, uh, and ah, helps prevent memory loss. And I thought this was interesting. Simply viewing art triggers happy hormones. Brain scans reveal that looking at artwork triggers a surge of dopamine. So just even looking at art, um, it it triggers the areas of the brain. And get this, it even registers the same as romantic love, falling in love. That's the power of art. Now I said I would share at the end a personal story. So this whole concept of joy is has always been very difficult for me, but it's changing now because I'm taking steps to be God's beloved and to actually take action to have joy. And one of the things that I had uncovered in an early memory, um, and this was back in my first book, Finding Spiritual White Space. And so you can kind of see where I'm at, what brought me here to be so passionate about learning to choose joy, is that one of the early visits when my parents were divorced is that I had gone to the toy store to pick up a gift, to pick up a gift. And um, my father wanted wanted me to have a gift. So he took me to the toy store and he said I could choose any gift that I wanted. But before I left, my mother had also told me to not take anything from my father and she didn't want me to bring anything back into the home that was from him. So when I was at the toy store and on the way there, I was already filled with anxiety because I didn't want to go to the toy store because I knew that I couldn't bring a toy back home. And yet I couldn't tell my dad that I don't want a toy because I also knew that he wanted me to have a toy. So I was really caught in between. And when I was at the toy store aisle, I was frozen standing there. I was just kind of like a robot. I just didn't even know what to do. And my younger sister, you know, she's five years younger than me. So she's very happy, right? She's just like, la, la, la. She's like pulling all these different toys off the shelves. And she's so excited and happy. And yet here I am. I'm just like frozen with, I don't even know what I want. I don't want anything. But then what do I say? What do I do? And I think that moment encapsulates how I feel about joy. Like I, I just, I see other people choosing joy and I feel like, well, that's great. I'm so happy that other people can have joy and I, I'm happy for them. And I just wish I could experience it, but I don't know how. I just have always felt it's just not for me. Now, I'm not a martyr. Um, you know, I, I have had really beautiful times in my life where I'm happy and there's so many wonderful things that God has blessed me with that has given me joy. But for me to choose joy and to explore joy, now that's uncharted territory for me, if you hear what I'm saying. And so, interestingly enough, when I was thinking about this and how I feel stuck, I realized that's the same way I feel now even about like going to the museum. and But I did take a step. I actually bought a museum membership. I'm 47 years old. That's the first time I did anything that was artistic, but it was my big step. I bought a membership because <laughs> then I can go back and look at art. Even though I've it does nothing for anybody else and I don't see any other way that it can uh, quote unquote bless anybody or benefit anyone. Second thing is, um, you know, taking this watercolor class. 
Okay. But anyhow, so I'm, as I'm thinking about how I'm frozen so many times, just like that little girl, I realize, God, you know, this is so hard for me. Well, God brought me to a passage I want to share with you because it's, it's, it's inspired me. And this, he just brought this to me like last week. Okay. So this is fresh and new. This part's really fresh and new. Okay. You know, the story of Zacchaeus. Okay. The story of Zacchaeus, he's this short man that's a tax collector, which nobody likes, nobody loves. And as I was reading through the story and meditating on it, um, I caught this word that I never noticed before. Okay. At the end, after, well, the story is that he's up in a tree and he's watching Everybody come and throng Jesus because Jesus is visiting the town, right? Everybody's so joyful. And I, I felt like Zacchaeus knew that everybody would be so happy, but he knew he would not be a part of it. You know what I mean? He's sitting up in the tree and he's looking down at everybody having so much fun and exciting. And he knew that Jesus would be visiting with all these people. But I don't think Zacchaeus ever could have guessed in a million years that Jesus was going to come over to the tree and look at, at him and say, Zacchaeus, hurry down for I must stay at your house today. Oh my gosh. It makes me overwhelmed with tears thinking about it because Zacchaeus hurried down and it says Zacchaeus welcomed him joyfully. Sorry, it's emotional because I told you it was fresh. It just happened last week. And this is in Luke chapter 19, verse 6. So Zacchaeus hurried down and welcomed him joyfully. And all who saw this began to grumble, saying, He's gone to be the guest of a sinful man. <laughs> I'm crying and laughing at the same time because... Zacchaeus is so happy because Jesus said, hurry down, I'm going to go to your house. And and verse 6, it says, Zacchaeus, hurry down. He did exactly what Jesus said. Can you imagine him so excited? I imagine him kind of almost tumbling down the tree. <laughs> and it says, he welcomed Jesus joyfully. That word joyfully. And so it's so funny, but also sad because it says right away, all who saw this began to grumble, saying, he's going to be the guest of a sinful man. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly like all these critical voices, all these so-called, I guess, voices or people in my, my, my life, not now, but, you know, in the past, um, that, you know, aren't supportive, okay, or was throwing suspicion or maybe feeling like things are wasteful if I'm like quote-unquote happy they're grumbling here and they're like oh my gosh this is a sinful person and so like I think it's just saying like you know what it's a voice in me that says you know what you're not worthy you, you haven't earned this yet you don't deserve this yet why why do you get to get all these things like and then you know, fill in the blank. Here's all the reasons why. And so, you know, all those negative voices that I was saying at the beginning of the podcast, um, maybe you're thinking, I don't have time. Forget about it. Um, I'll wait later. I'm not ready now. Or this would stress other people out. Or this is inconvenient for other people. Or it's too late. What's the point? I feel guilty. This is selfish. This is stupid. So fill in the blank. Okay. It's just, I feel I heard that in, in, in the voices of all these people grumbling when Zacchaeus just hurried down so joyfully to see Jesus. 
And it's so beautiful because they went to the house. Can you imagine how happy Zacchaeus and Jesus are walking to his home? I, I, just, I just picture that in my mind. And then I picture all these people grumbling around them. But then once they went and they had dinner together, can you imagine how joyful it was? All the food and the wine and all the joy. Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Save the lost. And so that word really, really touched my heart. <laughs> I felt God was saying, the joy that you've lost, I've come to save the joy that has been lost. Jesus came. He came vulnerable like a baby, vulnerable to death, vulnerable to sickness and the cold, vulnerable to people's taunts, vulnerable to people's criticisms. But he did it because he wants to save what has been lost. And for you, maybe as you've been listening, maybe like me, there's a part of your heart that's been lost, the part that feels joy, the part that wants to choose joy, just like that little girl in me that was stuck at that toy store and didn't know what to do. Well, that little girl that I talked about, it did not go well for her in that time because she she didn't end up having the toy. And I won't go into it on this podcast, but the beautiful thing about this memory is that whatever was lost, God is making new today with me and he's making it new with you today but you and I need to be like Zacchaeus we need to come down out of that tree we need to come down out of that tree we need to hurry down out of the tree and follow Jesus and welcome him joyfully that's the phrase in scripture. Welcome him joyfully into your painting. Welcome him joyfully into your photography. Welcome joyfully into going out with girls night out or welcome him joyfully in your home to like have your tea or or plant the garden or take the sewing class or pick up your knitting or fill in the blank. Go go to hike in the trees or sit outside for a quiet moment or to whatever it is, get out of that tree. We need to get out of the tree and looking at other people we think Jesus is experiencing joy with and only those people deserve it. No, Jesus comes to us and he says, hurry down, hurry down, Megan, hurry down, Jennifer, hurry down, Sarah. And we can run down that tree and join Jesus to experience joy. So choose joy. Joy is an active word. It's an experience, not something we just think about in our heads, in our mind, and believe by faith. James says that faith without works is dead, right? It's saying faith doesn't get activated until we use it. Okay, so have faith to put joy into action. And um, I cannot wait to hear what it is that you and Jesus are going to do together this week. So today's Advent for Whispers of Rest for Joy, we pause here. <laughs> I had so much to share. I just wanted to share it with you. 
and um, we have been practicing some quieting music to do contemplative prayer. I invite you to do that. Um, you know, after this podcast, go ahead and during this week, take the time. You can play the music you like that is soothing for you and read Luke chapter 19 and choose the one word that God is touching you with in this passage. So hurry down, hurry down. God is here for you. I love you so much, you guys. Thank you for all the questions that you've posted, everything that you've shared. Um, I could be talking on and on for another hour. There's so many questions I haven't even got to, but I cannot wait next week to share about love, God's love. Um, I always forgot, I always forget, and I w- wanted to do it at the beginning, but and I'm going to do it at the end. Please, <laughs> it's Christmas time, and I want to encourage you to buy Whispers of Rest, a copy of Whispers of Rest, because there's a book club happening in January. I've decided, because many of you have been emailing me and posting, I'm going to do a book club in January, beginning January 22nd. And it's going to happen in the private Facebook group. Group. I'm doing it differently than the than the way I did in the summer last year. It's you're still going to get everything that's awesome about last summer, but I'm going to add something new, which is I'm going to do some workshops on how to experience peace and spark joy. So we're going to be doing these workshops. I'm a retreat speaker, and so I'm going to be doing some of the things I do during my retreats in person. I'm going to do it online with you live in Facebook Live in the private Facebook group. So please take advantage of it. Tell your friends about it. Buy Whispers of Rest. You can gift copies so that you and your friends can do it together because it's going to be amazing to do it together, to do these workshop retreats, um, exercises together. And sign up at whispersofrest.com. Sign up at whispersofrest.com. Okay, I love you and Merry Christmas. Okay, see you next time. Someday